Hi everyone, this is this is Gregory from iModern Luxury Experience, the podcast. And I look forward to talking to you this morning. There's a ton of information to cover. And you know uh, that we have to get started because keeping you current, that is our goal. Uh, but before we do that, let me just uh, say this. If you receive the May 2020 uh, newsletter in your email, in your inbox, and you want to go over the details, then this show is great for that. Uh, there was quite a few graphs in there, and to explain some of the highlights and the detail points, how they actually fit, that's what this podcast is going to do. So you could use that as a as a guide for this conversation. You can follow along right in that uh, right in that PDF, and it would be perfect for this show. Now, this information shouldn't take more than about 25, at the most, 26 minutes. So for those of you that are starting your day early and you may have a meeting you're going to walk into in the next 20 minutes or so, then I would say, of course, it's up to you, but I would come back and I would listen to all of this information because it's really focused on the first half of this year and what to be expected at the end of this year. And there's quite a few financial institutions involved. We got some great information. And with that, let's get started. So when we do talk about the questions for this year, probably the biggest one that this information uh, addresses, at least in the beginning, is what is the economy uh, when is the economy going to recover? Now, that's on the minds of everyone. It's become a headline in most media. And we've got some, <laughs> we've got some information that we want to share here uh, uh, around starting out with what the major financial institutions are calling for in this second half recovery. And so when you see the slide associated with this, there are four major financial institutions there. Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan, Morgan Stanley, and Wells Fargo. And then what you see is their projections for the second quarter this year through the end of the year. And what we know right now is the first quarter has come in. Um, all of the numbers are in, and in this initial advance estimate, the GDP constricting or being negative at 4.8, and then this wild ride down here in the second quarter. So that can't be denied. That's exactly what we're experiencing. And it's interesting, just about a year ago, this same time, uh, similar to episode number two, there was information on 2019 and 2020. And 46% of the analysts and economists figured on 2020 as being the time that a recession was coming. So now we don't want to jump the gun because we haven't heard recession yet, but we are going to talk about recoveries in detail in just a bit. But that's interesting. The information was uh, available almost a year ago. Even now, as we start to talk about uh, businesses coming online here in Las Vegas, um, there are some businesses that have been allowed to come back online, but for the majority, most businesses uh, still have employees working from home. 
So still a lot of economic activity slowed across the country. That would be true for most states, especially California and New York. And then as we turn the corner to the second half of the year, in the third quarter, three of the four institutions are calling for positive economic recovery. And then in the fourth quarter, four out of four of the financial institutions are calling for positive economic recovery as we go forward, as we start to come back online with businesses. So that's that's interesting. Now, if you haven't listened to episode number two, I gave you the statistics for the year and the quarters here in Las Vegas. And one of those that stood out was that people are buying. And the same ones that are buying when the economy is up or down, they're buying. And a lot of the people are still listing their homes. There were 191 more listings at this time than previously. So people are buying, people are still doing business when it comes to real estate. But the thought was there would be a recession. So it's interesting that we have all four financial institutions saying that going forward, as businesses come back online, we should expect an economic recovery. So we'll have to wait on that one. As we start to look to the second half of the year, we're looking to more businesses, more things coming on and more economic activity and growth. That's what the hope is. What makes it unique right now are the three sciences that economists have to deal with right now. And in the first um, year is the business science. And that's why they're normally... um, used to using these statistics to come up with some pretty good decisions about what's going to happen. And that's answering the question, how has the economy rebounded from a similar slowdown in the past? Now, you know, taking a situation and saying how this performed in the past and being able to answer that question um, is relatively easy um, if you have a long enough period of time to look at the circumstances. And of course, things would have to line up with each other. Now, we're in a unique time right now. and We've got a layer of two additional sciences to to consider also. The first being the health science. And that's answering the question, when will COVID-19 be under control and will there be a flare-up of the virus this fall? And taking that into account as they're making projections is going to be difficult. No one's dealt with COVID-19 before. Uh, There are variations of COVID-19, so I guess what I should say is I can't remember a time when we've dealt with COVID uh, at this, uh, to this extent, right? And if we were talking to someone that was around during the Spanish influenza, they may say that um, this is very similar. Or we would just have to have that conversation with them and then try to reason on on how to feel about what we're experiencing right now. But in 60 years, I don't remember the world shutting down like this over over anything. Um, There has been aspects in certain locations that were affected, but I've never seen it go across the board like this. So if you have, by all means, share something in the message that... um, we can know amongst all of us as an audience because that would be interesting. 
The third part is the people science, and that's after businesses are fully operational. How long will it take for consumers to return to normal? Uh, and when I say return to normal, I'm talking about consumption patterns. Going out to a movie, maybe attending a sporting event, or it could be eating at the favorite restaurant, or even in these times, going to the park, things like that, going out to fly a kite. And probably uh, one of the biggest staples is flying, getting in an airplane and taking off. When will people begin to feel comfortable enough to get back in that routine? Because if you go to the airport right now, you might be one of five people on an hour and a half and two hour flight. So people are not back to the normal routine yet. And so while we deal with this situation, that is the coronavirus, economists are dealing with answering a lot of questions on these projections. And that's what the charts are that you have that were sent out in the newsletter. And that's why it was so important to sit down and go over this in the podcast. But what can we be confident in? There's no one calling for an L recovery as of right now. Now, if you haven't heard of that term before, maybe you've heard of the terms U recovery or V recovery. But an L recovery is when the economy goes down and it stays down. And this is not what we want. The good news is that no one is calling for that yet. And so when you look at what's being said out in the media and what experts are saying, we're going down right now. First quarter was negative, the wild ride down. And then as we look to the future, second half of the year, we see more economic activity, as you know. We bring the economy or businesses back online. And I want to bring a quote in from Sam Cater from Freddie Mac, the chief economist there. He says, Although the uncertainty of the crisis means forecasts of economic activity are more unclear than usual, what we just talked about, we expect that most of the economic damage from the virus will be contained to the first half of this year. Now, I happen to know personally that there are forecasts out there that are contradictive to that, are contradicting. Um... I'm sure you've seen in the news yourself the talk about the possibility of a combination of the flu season and coronavirus being more than anticipated for the medical system and that that may cause problems. We don't know how that's going to affect the economic fabric, of course. And going forward, we should see a recovery starting in the second half of the year. So uncertainty around all the things that econo economists are dealing with right now. But we can look at the hopeful aspects of the damage as we know. And that is the damage has been largely contained to the first half of this year. Now, I've said that three times already, and that's true. We can't really look forward, but things have calmed down to a certain extent now that we're through May. And we're going to continue to talk about that. I'm going to go next to CNBC and a quote that um, says, evidence is mounting that home buyers may be coming back to the market. And after demand plummeted in the past months due co to coronavirus. 
Now, again, I share statistics in the previous show that shows that's true. Um, uh, price per listing is only down 0.30%, and the purchases are up uh, over the last 12 months. So that's actually true. So we're starting to see evidence of home buyers coming back and after we just fall off in demand. And it really comes up to what we do know. And what we do know right now is that things are looking somewhat positive. We know there's a lot of questions about the virus. There's a question about the vaccine. And this idea of how do we thread the needle and open up the economy in a safe way and bring things back online. So there's a lot of things that are unknowns right now. We know that we started this year stronger than ever. Uh, we came out of 2018 into 2019 and things were booming and 2019 plateaued. And it really, uh, there were some reductions at the end of 2019, but there were very high expectations coming into 2020. So we're at a record low interest rate environment. Equity is strong among homeowners. Equity is strong in the luxury market. And there are some properties moving. In fact, I just got noticed there was a $4 million property that moved uh, this week, early this week. So we're in a high unemployment time right now, and hopefully that's temporary. And we know the Fed is doing everything that they can to support the economy, or at least that's the way it appears. I think as we look to the second half, housing will be a bright spot to help lead the way in recovery. So let's talk about that for a minute. The graph dealing with this shows across um, North America coming from showing time. And what you see there as we started off the year and we're trending up and then the beginning of March just fell off a cliff as consumers retreated. And I had several individuals who were in the market to uh, buy their first homes who basically just well, I can't say that they were scared. They, they were dealing with real issues when, when a, a vague statement like that, consumers retreated. In reality, uh, people had job issues that they were unsure about. Um, people had um, loans that they had to take out in order to float themselves. So there's a lot in that statement, consumers retreated. It's not like it was um, voluntary. All of us retreated to our homes and out of fear of contracting the coronavirus. So even if it wasn't an economic issue, it was a health issue. So uh, no one can be faulted because they decided to make a good decision. But you see this bottoming out right now, and I'll call it the middle of April. There um, is this rise and things are coming back up. And certainly some of that is going to be due to pent up demand as people retreat it. And as I said, for several weeks, I don't know if that trend continues uh, up at such a steep pace. But it's safe to say that we've seen the bottom right now in the showings. So pointing to what we can expect here in the second half of the year, and even in that, some good news that we want to bring to you is that U.S. home ownership rate is climbing. We expect that to continue to climb. So, you know, after a bottom out uh, the last four years, we've seen the upward trend of people going 
uh, more and more into their own homes. And in the luxury market, uh, we're starting to see people moving towards newer homes. And the resale homes, um, they're still doing well, but there's some transitions. And now I want the benefits of home ownership. And that's what uh, you're starting to hear, and that's what you're starting to see. Now, the reason that's so true here in Las Vegas is because, as you also notice in the graphs, rental pricing is going through the roof. Now, there's um, rental controls that are set in other places like Berkeley and, and uh, San Francisco and California. But right now, rental uh, pricing is going through the roof. And so that's a trend that we expect and we'll be covering and expect to continue. And why is that happening? Well, a lot of it is due to the rising cost of rent across this country. And in this graphic, when I see it, it explains it very well. It, and renters don't get the advantages of a refinance, the tax advantages of home ownership or the pride of home ownership. So we know that through studies that we've looked at, renters are seeing more and more I want to become a homeowner. Now, for those of you that are listening to this show and you are in a position of renting a home right now, um, don't fall into the trap that many have thinking that they can wait this out and then prices are going to fall through the bottom and they're going to take a low interest rate and move in at a great time at a great price. I really would not expect that. As we can see already, prices are stable. They have fallen off less than half a percent and buying has increased. Now, all of this at the same time is uh, going on while an inventory in housing is low. So if you've got housing low and a demand high, then you do the math. Waiting, trying to be smart and waiting this out may be a bad decision. So really think about this. Look at the graphs. Look at the information that I've shared and uh, make a good decision for you and your family. In the next portion, we're going to talk a little bit more about home ownership. We're going to talk about one of the major advantages, and that's building your equity. So we're going to go to that first slide. I want everyone to understand that this slide is new. The 2020 equity numbers just came out. So you have an old slide that talks about 37% of people owned it free and clear. The, the now number has jumped up to 42.1% own their home free and clear. Do you think that has something to do with the recovery period for 2008 and 2009? Because remember, we didn't have the same fabric economically in the housing industry as we do now back then in 2008 and 2009. Uh, people were coming in on stated money. The money wasn't real. Um, the, um, the terms back in the money weren't real. So when it fell out, uh, there was no meat in the game and people just simply ran off. Now, those that came in in that recovery, many of them bought cash. So that makes a very different economic fabric that we have right now in the midst of COVID-19. People aren't running off because, as we see, the percentage of free and clear homeowners is increasing. The other thing that's pretty interesting is the amount of people that have equity over 60% is now at 16.6%. 
And you can follow that all the way around. If you get down to less than 10% equity, that's only 7.3% of homeowners in the country. And if you think back to 2008, we don't have great numbers back there. They didn't keep those numbers back then. But we know that a lot of people use their houses as ATMs during that time period and were really building up or lessening, and I should say, the equity in their home. Then as soon as prices started to drift a little bit downward, running into negative equity, that led to a lot of challenges. We have the exact opposite situation right now. It seems that people learned their lesson from 10 years ago and they're really positioning themselves differently in equity. And can you believe that it was 10 years ago? It seems like that was yesterday and here we are again. Back then they took equity out to buy jet skis, a new boat, a new car, or a lavish vacation. And for some who were clothes lovers, they filled up their closets with suits and shoes. People still take equity out. But when you're talking to ones, they're much more savvy, and especially in our affluent market. They take money out at a much smaller amount, obviously, by this graph. And then doing things by, you know, helping the kids uh, pay for college or starting a business. So we're back to the way it's supposed to be. And if we look at it overall... If you want to go to the next slide, we can see that that number jumped also a little bit. 58.7% of all homeowners now have at least 60% equity. That is an awesome number when you think about it. So there's room for activity as long as it's done methodically and it's well planned. And we can expect that's going to be the case. So if you're thinking about doing something in this market, you don't have to be scared. You just have to be uh, smart and shrewd about it. It's crucially important. Ladies and gentlemen, let people know that. That there's so much equity in their homes right now for a whole bunch of different reasons. Number one is we have to let the public know that because I was saying people are afraid that people are going to run into a heavy foreclosure market again. I really don't see that happening. Those people have hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of equity in the homes that they've purchased in that down cycle. They're not walking away from that house. They'll sell it first, if anything, and they'll uh, be listing these properties at just under um, 0.30% of their asking price in most cases. Now, of course, there's gonna be deals out there and there's gonna be people that are caught in certain circumstances, but that's not gonna be the norm. And 42.1% of all homes are owned free and clear. And of the other homes that have mortgages on them, the average equity on those homes is $177,000. So what we need to do, ladies and gentlemen, in a big way, is to let people know this. I want you to get rid of the old slides we have given you up until this point, which is 2019 data. The 2020 data came out, and we're just giving it to you now. So please, destroy any old slides that you have. Those numbers are meaningless at this point. 
this is truly a new era, not only in real estate in general, but how real estate will be handled and how you will be purchasing real estate and what options will be available to you, whether you're, it's a jumbo loan or a corporate purchase or a, a hedge fund deal. It doesn't matter. Everything has changed and we are poised to help you to do whatever you need to do and to feel comfortable about it because I'm going to share that information with you. The next thing I want to talk about um, is the company that I said a few bad things about a few years ago when I called it. Um, I well, well, nothing, nothing, nothing provocative. That's for sure. We want to talk about unemployment, and I want to talk about the Bureau of Labor Statistics that came out this morning at 8:30 in a report. And to give you that information as well. Um, before we go there, let's look at what's actually taking place for unemployment claims. I'm not suggesting that the last number, 3.2 million, is a good number. I'm not suggesting that. But what I'm suggesting is, is that it's a lot better number than 6.9 million. So what winds up taking place, as we can see, we've hit the apex of people filing unemployment claims, and we're starting the downward slide now. Things are starting to open up again, and more and more people are going to get their jobs back. I know some individuals right now who um, got home assignments, and for a while there, they were furloughed. So that's just another way the fabric is going to change. I think employers will start to utilize this uh, option more often. And, and you can bet that they have analysts looking at the numbers to figure out where they can save if people aren't actually coming to a concrete building to work. It only makes sense because as lean as you can be, uh, the best you can be as long as you're efficient. So you can be sure that they're going over those numbers. It's going to be interesting as we proceed forward, but we can see with this slide, uh, the number of people that were being unemployed, that's going down week over week over week. And so let's take a look at this morning's report. The first thing I want to show you is this is a breakdown of percentage of all the people who are unemployed, the categories uh, uh, that they fall in. So of the 100% of people that are without jobs, the economy, the pH is um, the pH is um, eleven point three one. Now I'll tell you that the report is broken down in economies, meaning that the language that economists use. I tried to make a, a this a little bit simpler to understand across the board. So. Those actual categories across the bottom are the majority of what the category stood for. For example, the third one in temporary services, that's actually listed under professional services. So the professional, the inauditable are a little thing that's in there. Now, I'm sorry because my graphic is bad right here, but the um, professional um, 
are the little things that you see there at across the bottom. But the vast majority of that are, is companies that offer temporary help. That's the point. You know, temporary support. So there are some things in there like if you go uh, to child care, the child care number is interesting because it actually talks about family services. But the vast majority of that uh, group of people are in child care. So I made it so that people could understand it uh, the best as possible. Uh, I didn't use the going all the way towards the right. I didn't use the accommodation industry. I used the hotel industry. So I tried um, to make it as easy for everyone to understand. Now that we know that disclaimer across the bottom, and if you want the actual titles of each one of those categories, then you can go to the report itself. But the services and the bartenders, and if you remember last time, that was almost 60%. Well, now as more people got laid off since then, because the restaurants were one of the first things to close, we're still at 37.6%. More than one out of three people are unemployed, and those happen to be bartenders or servers. So we know that that's primarily a high percentage of the unemployment rate. Now, as restaurants begin to open and social distancing and other things uh, begin to lessen, that number will come down. And that number will come down pretty dramatically. And for the people who don't think that restaurants are ever going to come back because um, of this coronavirus, ladies and gentlemen, um, the out service right now you know, the curbside service, a lot of restaurants are jumping into that business right now. And that's still going to require people either to package that or bring it to the curb. So some companies now, some restaurants now are delivering it themselves so that the server gets the job delivering the packages right to the home.